morning, church. How's everybody doing? Thanks for joining us today. Um, so we started a new series today, and um, that series is called Blessed Assurance. We're going to do a study of First John. So let me explain it this way. Got a lot of teachers, administrative people in the audience who would understand this. Teachers have to prepare lesson plans. My wife has had to prepare lesson plans all the years that she was in the school system. Here's my lesson plan for the entire series. It's not going to change. My lesson plan every week is I want you to know that you are saved. That's why we're looking at 1 John. I want you to have assurance of your salvation. I want you to live in confidence regarding your salvation. And that's why he wrote this letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, not hope, not wonder, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Eternal life, salvation comes with confidence. It comes with an assurance. And that's why we're calling this Blessed Assurance. And I've asked Thurman, we will periodically sing that song, Blessed Assurance, just to drive home that point. Listen, I don't want you to have any doubt about your salvation. John doesn't want you to have any doubt about your salvation. God doesn't want you to have any doubt about your salvation but let me say some things about assurance. Some people have a false assurance of salvation. Let me say that a couple of ways. They have an assurance and they have no right to it. Let me explain that. Not everyone who has assurance will be saved. He said, well, Richie, you just said you wanted me to have assurance. I do, but some people claim to have it and don't have it. I don't want you to have a false assurance. Let me keep explaining. Some people claim to be saved, and they haven't been saved. Some people claim to be saved, and then they don't live like they're saved. Here's what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Some people have a false assurance that everybody's going to be saved. And Jesus says, that's a false assurance. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So I think Jesus clearly says, Scripture plainly teaches that, some people have a false sense of assurance, and they probably have a false sense of assurance because they're living on false information. So let me address that. Here's what I mean about false information. You don't get to decide if you're saved. You don't get to decide what the rules are to be saved. The Word of God does. God does. So if you're living any other way, it's false information. We need to follow this information. And if this information says, here's what you need to do to be saved, that's true, accurate information. But a lot of people want to make the decision, you know what, I'll, I'm good, I'll decide, I'm going to heaven. You don't get to decide that. And you're having false information, which gives you false assurance. Some people say you can't have real assurance a.k.a. my entire life in church. 
you will encounter people that will say, you can't have assurance. It's almost like we want to have assurance. We, re- we really want to have assurance, but we're afraid if we have assurance that we can't have assurance. Again, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. Listen, you, you can have assurance. It is a biblical concept. You may not feel like you can have assurance, but that does not negate that assurance is real. That's why I want to spend some time in 1 John. Blessed assurance. Can I really know that I'm saved? Can I really have assurance of my salvation? Can I really live in confidence knowing that I am saved? Because God wants us to be confident Christians. Because when we are confident Christians, we live as confident Christians. And that is appealing to people. I think one of the greatest needs among Christians today is to have assurance and confidence. To know that you're saved. So here's what I want to do today. Today, we're just going to have an introduction. I just want to sift through some passages in 1 John because this is a short letter. And John illustrates very well how we are to live confidently and with assurance. And the only way to do that is to know that we're saved. So... John wants us to know some things. There's 105 verses in this entire letter. You can go home and read this book in about 15 minutes. There's 105 verses in this entire letter, and he uses the words know, known, acknowledge 40 times in this letter. He says, he doesn't say we should hope or we should wonder or on our deathbed have we done enough. He says, You can know. You can know. And you can have that assurance. And he writes with boldness. Why? Because there's some people wanting to lead them astray. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. And those can be people outside the church. Those can be people inside the church. Again, you'll have people in the world who will tell you, you can't have assurance. You'll have people in the church my whole life say, Richie, you can't preach assurance. I absolutely can. It's absolutely biblical. So let me tell you again from God's Word, if you don't don't hear anything else this entire series, for the next several weeks, I, I want you to hear that you can know. You can know where you will spend eternity, and you can have that assurance These readers had people who kept telling them, you can't know. You have people in the world and in the church today say, you can't know. And John says, you can know. I I, I think he's going to talk about, and I want to talk about, bogus Christians, false Christians, surface Christians. Let me say it a number of ways. Just because you wear a cross, and I'm not against that. Just because you have a religious bumper sticker, I'm not against that. Just because you might come to church on Sunday, I'm not against that. doesn't make you a Christian. Those things don't make you a Christian. Let me illustrate. Maybe you heard about the police officer that came up on a scene and, and he witnessed a man who, who's just yelling at this lady. 
I mean, he is just yelling at her for running into him. This guy was screaming and yelling, so the officer cuffed him and arrested him and threw him in jail. The whole time he's just yelling, just yelling nonstop. When he was released, he said, you can't arrest me for yelling at this woman. Police officer said, I, I didn't arrest you for yelling at the lady. When I came upon the scene and I heard you yelling, my first thought was, what a jerk. And then I saw the cross hanging from your rearview mirror, and I saw the bumper sticker on the back inviting people to your church, and I saw the fish symbol on your car, and I thought to myself, this guy must have stolen this car. <laughs> Why? Because that's not how Christians are supposed to behave. So... First John is written to show the difference between how real Christians behave and bogus, false, surface Christians behave. You want to know the difference between a real Christian and a bogus Christian? You're going to have to come back over the next several weeks. <laughs> Listen, folks, I, 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 don't, I don't want you standing before God someday thinking... That you can tell God, well, I, you know, I went to church, and I went to Bible class, and I went to small group, and I went to VBS, and I made cookies for VBS, thinking that that's enough. Again, those are good things, but thinking that's enough. Isn't that enough? Haven't I done enough? Enough. I think that's why, first, why John wrote 1 John, because he's had just about enough of people wondering if they're going to be saved and hoping if they're going to be saved and wondering if they've done enough to be saved. And John says, enough of living like that. You don't need to live like that. I want you to know that you're saved. I want you to live like you're saved. And so again, John says there's some things you need to know and some things that you can know. The first is you can know Jesus Christ. There's a lot of the people in this world you'll never know, you'll never meet, you'll never encounter... It's like, well, I wish I could know you're not going to encounter those people, but you can know Jesus Christ. Here's what he writes. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God. What does the Bible say about him? He's the Son of God. And if you don't believe that, then you have a false assurance. And I believe the Bible teaches that you're not saved. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you don't want to stand before God. Now, he keeps writing. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. John says you can know Jesus, and you can know that Jesus is the Christ, and you can know that Jesus is the Son of God. You say, well, Richie, I don't know Jesus. I didn't live 2,000 years ago. So how can I know Jesus? Here's how he starts his letter in 1 John. Here's John's testimony. That which was from the beginning, talking about Jesus, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we've looked at, that which we've touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we've seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. 
We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's John's testimony. He had first-hand knowledge of Jesus Christ. This wasn't a rumor. This is a fact. He says, we have evidence, we have witnesses, and we have the written Word of God. Here's what he writes. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is a testimony of God which He's given about His Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he's not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, John says you can know Jesus Christ. You need to know Jesus Christ. If you have the Son of God, you have life. Number two, he says, you can know that you have been saved, that you've been born again. You can know. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder if it took. You don't have to wonder if God was paying attention that day. You don't have to wonder if you've done enough. You can know, and it begins with believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, that's why we ask people when we baptize them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because we think that confession is crucial based on what we've read in 1 John and other passages. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If anyone acknowledges, there's that no, acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. It all starts with believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So I'm going to ask you. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You need to answer that question. When you stand before God, you need to acknowledge that you believe that Jesus Christ is His Son. You're going to have to answer that question someday when you stand before God. I'm asking you today, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That's where it starts, that's where it ends, and that's the only thing that's important in between. There's a lot of things you and I can disagree on. Can't disagree on Jesus being the Son of God. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things I can disagree with with other churches, other Christians, other locations. But if we start with we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we're on the same foundation. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But John's going to tell us, and we're going to illustrate, there's more than just believing there's behaving. There's behaving. John wants us to know that how we behave demonstrates what we believe. Now, following God and being a Christian and coming to church is not just about having the right information. Right information is good. Don't hear me wrong. There are a lot of folks who have the right information, who know the right doctrine, who have all the right answers just like Satan does. So there's more than just right information. There's got to be some kind of transformation. There's got to be a change in what you believe. There's got to be a change in how you behave. Standing before God is more than just right information. Standing before God is about transformation. And that transformation comes through Jesus Christ. 
Here's what John writes, and we'll be looking at this. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, but we walk in darkness, we're living a lie. We're not living by the truth. Listen, there are Christians who all they want is more information. You don't need any more information. That sponge is full. You can't take in any more information. I'm not negating information. Information is good. But people will say, you know, we need more classes. We need more sermons. Why can't we have a six-week revival? You go ahead on. Listen, folks, information is good and important, but there's got to be some transformation. I went to a one-day conference years ago. Reggie Joyner was the keynote speaker, and here's one thing he said. If you want people's faith to collapse, then just keep them in a room and keep teaching them. Here's his point that he illustrated. We can only take in so much information. We need to get out into the world, into the opportunities to share that information. Otherwise, we're just that sponge soaking up more information. And knowledge puffs up. And maybe we've been a little too arrogant. It's time to get out into the world. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is... Just as important as behaving like Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So let me just go ahead and say some things. Some of you have been Christians a long, long time. It's time for you to start behaving like Christians should behave. It's more than just information. You can stand before God and say, I have all the right information. And God may look you in the eye and say, but you never lived like you had the information. It's more than believing, it's behaving. We know that we've come to know Him if we obey His commands. There's some knowledge there. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. Listen, if you're a real Christian, you're going to behave differently. If you're a surface Christian, you're going to soak in that knowledge and say all the right things, but the behavior isn't going to follow. If you're a real Christian, you're going to behave differently, and you're going to notice some differences in circumstances, how you deal with people, your job, your health, your parents, your children, your speech, how you dress, your relationships. Again, following Jesus is not just about believing, it's a lot about behaving. So... This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. So it leads us to another transformational change that we need to see, a specific change regarding how we behave. If you want to have assurance of your salvation, you, you might ought to work on how you love people. You need to love your brother. When you find yourself loving more and more people, maybe people you might not want to love, maybe people you don't feel like you have to love, maybe people you didn't used to love, that shows transformation. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. I've been amazed, amazed through the years 
that two Christians that can sit across the aisle from each other and hate each other's guts will take of communion like nothing's wrong. John said, no, you're a bogus Christian. You're a surface Christian. You got the right information, but you don't love your brother. That's another word John uses in this letter a lot, is love. Forty-five times in these 105 verses, he uses the word love. When we get to chapter 4, he's going to use love in one chapter 27 times. So if you're struggling with loving your brother, either you really need to be here that day, or you might not want to be here that day. How can I know that I'm saved? Do you love your brothers? Do you love your Christian brothers and sisters? Do you love people? Again, you can come to church every week and not love your brother. You can take a communion every week and not love your brother. You can read your Bible every day and not love your brother. You can have all the right doctrine and not love your brother. It's more than knowing, it's loving. Some of y'all really need to work on this. I love you when I say that. The worst testimony we have in this world is when we do not love. Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They're going to see that we love the unlovable. That's us. And they're going to think, What is it they have? Well, we have Jesus Christ. Here's what John says, if you don't love people, you're a bogus, false, surface Christian. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. You can say you love God all day long, but if you don't love your brother, you don't know God. Because God is love. There's one more thing we can know. He said, you can know that your salvation is secure. I'm going to drive this home. Week after week after week. I'm going to drive this home for all the people saying you can't have assurance. I'm going to drive this home so that you can have assurance. Okay? So again, you can know that your salvation is secure. You can, you can know. So let me give you a lot of passages here. All right? I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for you. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I write these things to you so that you may know. Some of y'all really needed those verses today. Some of y'all may have never heard some of those verses today. Some of y'all need to commit those verses to, to memory so that when you're struggling 
you know. So let me ask you a very important, important question. And this will determine how much you need to hear this series. If you die today, where will you spend eternity? Well, I hope I've done enough. I hope God's having a good day. I hope I read my Bible enough. I hope I gave enough. I, it's not what 1 John is about. You can know and you can have blessed assurance. Now, let me ask you, when you're baptized, how many of your sins does Jesus wash away? All of them. Because if you're like me, I hope the blood of Jesus washes away what I did last week. I hope the blood of Jesus washes away what I did last month. I hope the blood of Jesus washes away what I did as a teenager. I hope the blood of Jesus has enough power. And we get to thinking, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know God loves me, and I know, but I just I don't know, which is why I'm wanting to do this series. Listen, John knows your struggle, and so he's going to write, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. And that's another verse that you need to commit to memory, so that when you're struggling, wondering, doubting, Oh yeah, John wrote, my sins have been forgiven. I need to remember my sins have been forgiven. All of my sins of the past have been forgiven. All the sins that I haven't even committed yet are forgiven. So I want that to sink in today because that is what I call amazing grace. The real question you need to answer today is not, well, Richie, you don't know how much I've sinned. The real question you need to answer today is, how much do you trust Jesus with your salvation? Because he said, I'll, I'll wash all your sins away. I don't want you to live in doubt. I want you to have blessed assurance. So, if you struggle with confidence, if you struggle with assurance, if you struggle with your salvation, if you struggle with wondering if you're saved, if you struggle with wondering if you have if you've done enough, which who hasn't struggled with all of those questions? You need this series. Go home and read 1 John. You need 1 John. Because I want you to have assurance. And John wants you to have assurance. And God wants you to have assurance. Let's pray.